0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
1: I turned around and I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. There was a being at the foot of the bed, little man, maybe may, maybe four feet tall, and the bedroom was lit up like we were in the middle of Times Square. This being was chalk white, was not well, grayish. Those huge eyes, pear-shaped head had on like a, a jumpsuit tight fitting. It looked like Reynolds wrap. And it was a bright blue aura around him and then a bright white light. I've had a cop put a pull a gun on me. I was never as scared as I was December 28,
2: 1989. Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum delivered to your email inbox. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free.
0: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption. The secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett.
2: Welcome to your Friday. We made it. I hope you can join me Saturday, June 5th. When I'll be hosting Coast to Coast AM, go to coasttocoastam.com for more information. And I'll be speaking with legendary Hollywood screenwriter Stephen D'Souza. He wrote the screenplays for such blockbuster movies as Die Hard, 48 Hours, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, and many more. Michael S. Carter is standing by to discuss his experiences and contact with ultra-terrestrial entities. Reverend Carter is originally from Baltimore, Maryland. He moved to New York City in 1980 and lived there for 25 years, working as a professional actor before moving to Asheville, North Carolina with his family. Michael is an ordained interfaith minister and received his Bachelor of Arts degree in letters from the College of New Rochelle, where he graduated cum laude. He received his Master's in Divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City, the class of 2000. Reverend Carter has written articles on UFOs and religion for such publications as UFO Magazine, Alien Encounters, the MUFON UFO Journal, Contact Forum. He's spoken at UFO conferences such as the Second Philadelphia Need to Know Conference, the annual Long Island UFO Conference with Bud Hopkins, as well as appearing on radio and TV appearances across the nation. He's also appeared on Japanese television discussing the Bible and UFOs. A longtime UFO experiencer, he lectures extensively on the topic of religion and UFOs. He's appeared on the sci-fi channel's Steven Spielberg's production of Abduction Diaries, The Real 4400, and is a frequent guest on the History Channel's production of Ancient Aliens. Hey Michael, welcome. How are you?
1: Richard, it's a pleasure. I'm doing well. Uh Life is good. The weather's getting warm, and uh, you know things are opening up now. The, the country is little by little. So, um, I'm very fortunate.
2: Well, I'm going to get you to open up a little, and uh, I, I hope you don't get tired of telling this story. But it is remarkable. I want to go back to December 28th. I think. 19, oh yes, 1989. Ni- right. You just got back from Mexico. You're in New York City. What happened?
1: Okay, I. Uh, well, let, let me give you the backstory. Um, I, I just wanna say from the outset that I had no um, preparation in the sense of, I wasn't a sci-fi person. I remember, some, you know, I was raised Baptist, man. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. And uh, not that to be disrespectful to Baptist, but I had that dogma hook, line, and sinker. There was no life on other planets. Humankind was, we were top of the food chain. And so it stunned me even more, but I was coming back uh, with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, We were in Cancun and we decided to take a bus trip to the Yucatan to see the pyramids at Chichen Itza and Tulum. Now I was already kind of studying these things in ancient civilizations, but not to the extent I did afterwards. And um, gorgeous day, Uh, went there, had lunch, you know, just, you know, did the tourist thing. And we went to see those pyramids. And so when we came back to New York, uh, right before New Year's, December 28th, I was asked, you know, I was invited to a party. And uh, I was tired, but I kind of wanted to show off my tan. You know, I was, it was, eight, I wanted to the globe. Mm-hmm. It was 85 degrees, 87 degrees. And in New York, it was, of course, freezing. So my girlfriend said, you go, I'm going to stay home. So I took the subway down to Times Square and uh, the party was at a, a neighborhood called Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know, no no adult beverages were served, I didn't have any. Uh, I probably overdosed on deviled eggs, it's my favorite. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I gloated for about an hour and a half, people oohed and ahed and I told them about what went on and then I went back up to catch the subway back to the Upper West Side. And that evening, and to this day, I don't know whether or not I had to get up to go use the restroom, I don't know, but there, something woke me up. I'm assuming that you know, maybe it was just the presence. I sleep on my stomach, I turned around, and I thought my heart was gonna come out of my chest. There was a being at the foot of the bed I mean, little, man, maybe, maybe, maybe four feet tall. My, the, 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 and this is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It wasn't on some rural road uh, uh, somewhere. And my, the bedroom was lit up like we were in the middle of Times Square. This being was chalk white, was not well, grayish. Uh, those huge eyes, pear-shaped head, had on like a, a jumpsuit, tight-fitting, it looked like Reynolds Wrap. Okay, it looked like this individual was wearing a suit made of Reynolds Wrap. Right. And there was a bright blue aura around him, and then a bright white light. My girlfriend at the time either could not or would not wake up. I thought I was going to. I don't, I, I've never been. I've had. I've had a cop put a pull a gun on me. I was never as scared mm. as I was December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. And what I did, Richard, was he looked at me, it could have been a she, but we looked at each other, and those big, deep black eyes, and I pulled the cover up over my head, and I remember getting in the fetal position, okay? I'm not a macho kind of guy.
2: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think a (laughs) macho kind of guy probably would have done the same thing.
1: I, I have never had that kind of terror, and I felt... I heard this whoosh, whoosh, like, like like the wind was blowing and the temperature changed in the room as if I was outside. Now, I was living at the Excelsior Hotel, still there, right across the street from the uh, planetarium, 45 West 81st Street. At that time, living on the 15th floor, 1506. And the temperature shifted. I felt like I, I was freezing. I pulled... The covers down and nobody was there it was like nothing ever happened wow I, I i i told my girlfriend about it she's a very spiritual woman she believed me she was very supportive through the whole thing but i started to meet other races but i started and i started to have this this was happening like twice a month and it was like every full and new moon. Hmm. And she worked at night. So I don't know whether they, they I guess they knew the schedule. <laughs> not, not that it mattered because they came when she was there and I would be paralyzed. Well, that first one, excuse me, me.
2: Sorry, Michael. That first one, even yes. though it was kind of chalk white, I think you described it. Yes, but by all the other appearances, what it was it what we what we might refer to as a gray? Was it some It was
1: a gray. I yeah. think it was a gray. Okay. But remember there's so many different types of grays. And uh uh you know, like the, like there's the type that's on Whitley Streber's Communion. Mm. The cranium is not as big. This and then there's another uh uh gray that has a bulbous head. This gray had a pear shaped head.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: So so, you know, it, it freaked me out. I, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, you know, I was having, uh, I was scared. That even it took, it took me 15, 20 years to just be able to turn the light out. And, uh, uh, because like, like somehow the light would keep them from coming. But it was just, just this great fear of the dark and that they may come. And they did come. They did come. Every month. Uh, for about eight months, is that when for you sought? Saw- is that when you Four sought out?
2: Months. When you sought out the help of uh, Bud Hopkins?
1: Well, I got the Bud later. I ah. went to Gene Mundy, hmm. and uh, I bought a book called Encounters by Dr. Edith Fiore. It's still a good one to to, to read, and uh, I uh, um, I and in the back of the book it had a list of mental health professionals uh, uh, in each state. And there was a woman named Aphrodite Claymore, who i later found out is a very reputable uh, hypnotherapist and therapist. But, you know, this is my personal bias. I was so fragile mentally that I couldn't go to someone named Aphrodite.
2: Right. Okay.
1: I just couldn't, like the Greek god, I just couldn't. I needed to be grounded in reality, it's my bias, I thought that name was just not it. So I went to Dr. Jean Mundy, and she was very good at what she did. She had an office on East, uh, uh, on 13th Street in the village, and of course she lived out on Long Island. And she regressed me, and uh, much stuff came up. And um, But she said to me, you know, Michael, the good news is that you're not crazy. She said, I'm not going to say what's bad news or not because that may be what's up to you. Right. Yeah. And so a a few years after that, uh, Bud and I did a conference. I mean, I had heard of Bud. Um, We were in two different camps, if you will, but we we wound up meeting and actually being very friendly. Bud's group, the support group I was in, because at this time I had had, I had come to some grips with and that positive things were happening in my life and I think it was expedited because of those encounters even though I still had the fear Uh, and Bud's group was more people who it was traumatizing I mean they had you know sperm taken, women had ovum taken, um, anal probes I mean it wasn't a pretty picture and that's all that was going around at the time and I just didn't want people to think that that's all that's happening that there were people who have what they considered positive, for lack of a better word, encounters. And these, um, in, with each of these and, and, mon-
2: these monthly encounters, were they uh, all grays? Were they different races?
1: No, uh, yeah, they, 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 they started out with grays. Um, I remember, and they would, uh, uh, it, when they said things, and they wouldn't say nothing, they would say, just be a, don't be afraid, but it wasn't like their mouths would move. It was like I had a stereo system in between my head. Tele- it was telepathy, right. But it was clear, and um, <clears throat> uh, and they would show me pictures. Like they like, and they would always paralyze me. I don't know whether it was for their protection or mine, but I wouldn't be able to move. I could move my eyes. I could breathe, obviously, but I could not move.
2: Was there always a blue light?
1: No, no, it was that time. Uh, there was the blue, like a blue light and then this white light. No, it wasn't always a blue light, but it was always the uh, paralysis. And it was um. They like one time they showed me a past life where I was a, a, a monk. Uh, they showed me Something that was going to happen in the future—not nothing apocalyptic—but something that happened in my life because I—I I was going—I was leaving my career as an actor in New York, and I was uh, thinking about going into the ministry uh, to a life of service. The only negative thing, Richard, that I can say happened to me now—the I'm, I'm, fear was there, okay, and it would be. If if we, when we hang up, and all of a sudden, you're asleep at night, and I, I look like a human being, you know, and if I tapped you on your shoulder, you'd be scared too, and and I look like a human being, you know, uh, so the fear was there, and that's what gets me, it's that I could open my eyes, and they're right there. You know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, I, could, I could be looking out my window, and I turn around, and they're there. One time, they stuck a needle in the back of my head it felt like a needle where my <clears throat> where that little hole there that, that indentation where your neck meets your spinal yes coming from the brain excruciating mm. and um and then when i moved when when i when i when the paralysis was gone they were gone and i talked to a friend of mine about it and uh She was an astrologer, and um, she said, Michael, this is going to sound weird, but you're going to have to set boundaries. She said, even if you're in the house talking by yourself, they can hear you. They're there. She said, you need to tell them this is unacceptable, and I I did. I remember my girlfriend saying, you were walking around in your underwear in this apartment yelling up at the ceiling about this was disgraceful, this was unacceptable. I can imagine what I looked like. A couple weeks after that, they came again. I could not move. I was alone. And in my mind's eye, they showed me a picture of a syringe. I felt the tiniest pinprick at the crown of my head, like right in the center of the crown of my head. You could bear. It's like when someone takes blood and you don't even know the needle went in. Right. It was like that. I interpreted that as they listened.
2: Right, they got the message. We'll do. Yeah. We'll be a little more delicate this time.
1: Right. Yeah, they could have said, "Oh, shut up, put on, put on your big boy pants and take it," but they didn't. <laughs> so, uh, so this is happening
2: to uh, but, you. These monthly visits, and at 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 this time, you're considering uh, going into a seminary.
1: Well, I was considering going into uh, a mental institution. Oh, before okay. that. yeah, right. But uh, but. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wound up going to seminary. But what had happened, though, Richard, and the, the fear was there. And there were some times where years would go by when I wouldn't physically see them or they, or they would touch me. Maybe in my meditation, I would see a pic. They would show up. But what was happening is I, the, I, I, I felt more intelligent. Um, I felt like the only way I can explain it is that my heart opened more. I felt like I could risk being vulnerable. I felt more loving, for lack of a better word. But, that's abstract, but my hair grew faster. I got by with less sleep. I still can get by maybe for, I can go two, three weeks with just four or five hours sleep. I don't need it. Um, I, my, my hair and nails grow extremely uh, 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 quickly. My in, My intuition, uh was on steroids um you know and and I, and I also you know meditation helped me to learn to trust that but I I, I, I could feel myself changing man and I started caring more um, about you know about the earth about my surroundings about I, it was easier for me to say I'm sorry it became easier for me to say, you know, I'm really scared, or I'm a. come, it, it was just all these personality changes. Interesting. Um, now, let me be clear. I want to be clear. I was already working on myself, okay? It wasn't like this magic wand, and all of a sudden, Michael is, uh, you know, Mr. Compassion, but, you know, when the teacher, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. I read voraciously on anything I could about ETs, but I also, uh, was very, 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 very deeply into comparative religion.
2: Right. Well, so that's interesting. After these experiences. And, uh, and, I, and
1: I left my religion of origin. Yeah.
2: Okay. But your, your, um, what were you studying then, uh, uh, at, um. At, at
1: would, Union. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me, let me put it this way. Uh. I started reading a lot of philosophy. I started reading comparative religion. I was starting to do that a little bit before the, before I, I met these people, and and but then, afterwards it was like all of a sudden I'm you know I'm getting into tarot reading and seeing I was always be I see people's auras and I was getting into um, more paranormal kind of studies and. Um, what in some of my classes at Union, some of the books, not all some of the books that they had assigned us to read I had already read hmm. And so um, and, and and Union is one of the top seminaries in the country and uh, but I had left my religion of origin, my childhood religion of being Baptist and after this um, after these encounters, I started to broaden my horizons. One of the people, and uh, he's a friend and a colleague, is Dr. Barry Downing. Uh, he wrote a book in 68 called The Bible and Flying Saucers. And it, it was like uh, water to a thirst—a uh, uh, man dying of thirst because the, here was a religious professional. He wasn't an experiencer, but he had written a book. And then I found uh, uh, other, uh, you know, um, there was Eric Van Donenken, obviously, and right. then a, a Dr. Virginia Brazington, a woman from Asheville, North Carolina. I didn't even know Asheville, North Carolina existed at that time. And she wrote a book about the Bible and UFOs. I uh, forget the other guy's name. He died under mysterious cir- circumstances. I have his book here. He had, he wasn't a clergy person. Oh, Jessup. He had written Jessup? Yes.
2: Right. He was involved in uh, the Philadelphia experiment somehow. I think um, I think he interviewed the, one of the witnesses, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so there was the religious aspect. So that's, you, where, that's where I am. That's where my head is.
2: Right. And you were actually going to write your your thesis on this subject, right? How did they? How did, I, I, how, did how did they
1: re- how did they react? You know what? They they shocked me. They they loved it. They loved it. As a matter of fact, uh, Dolores Williams who was my systematic theology teacher. And um, there was uh, one other uh, uh, person. They asked me to stay on and do a PhD. I just didn't want to be 60 years old still paying off school loans. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And and because if it wasn't for union having, you know, because they could have said, young man, you're not graduating from here uh, uh, with that kind of tripe. But they did it, and I turned it into my first book.
2: Right. So, now, after these experiences, 33 years later, uh, how, how does that inform your view of the biblical narrative?
1: Well, this is it's a great question. I'll just put it bluntly. Well, not bluntly, but I, I believe in... An intelligence. I believe in something greater than me. It's, but but you know, it's not a personal God. It's not a, a man or woman up in the sky who's going to punish me if I'm not like Santa Claus, and reward me if I'm nice. I, uh, I think there's an intelligence in the universe. If you read some of the extraterrestrial, the literature, even some of these beings acknowledge uh, this energy. They don't call it God. Uh, uh, uh but that's where I am now. and I believe that these avatars, whether it's the Buddha or obviously Jesus, and you know, I believe that these beings are sent uh, to us to give us a way to live. but I but the way it affects the biblical narrative is I believe, at least the three monotheistic religions because we know all these, Cosmologies. All civilizations had some stories about folks coming down from the sky and teaching them how to live, or causing mischief, or what have you. I believe that our ancestors were trying to tell us, in the vernacular, in the language of their day, what they were experiencing, and that these beings were gods to them. Right. Right. And so that's what I believe. Right. Uh, uh, You know, I, I, you know, I was a kid. And a lot of the anger I had at religion, uh, even before these encounters, was like the answers were given to you before you even asked the question. But now, you know, I'm older, and I, you know, I I look at Yahweh, and for me, I don't want to disrespect viewers who are uh, listening and or shake up anybody's belief system. But it was, I was like, how can I say I'm going to pray to or worship someone who had this temper, who had anger management issues. Who was telling you to go into someone's land and kill the men, women, and children? And you know, I, I was over obsessed with circumcision and who you married. That sounds like sounds like a person, man. That right. Sounds the, like, the,
2: the jealous that god. Like an
1: omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. That sounds like some of my friends.
2: Right. The, the jealous <laughs> god of the Old Testament. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, right. yeah,
2: Yeah. there was a whole lot of smiting going on in the Old Testament.
1: Oh, yes, you <laughs> was smote and smitted and smited and, you know, <laughs> dashing your, your baby's head up against a, th- a stone, yeah. And and again, that doesn't work for me. I my, know my, my, my friend, uh, Dr. Downing, uh, Barry, he used to say, Michael, you want your God to be warm and fuzzy. Well, maybe, maybe not. But I don't, I certainly don't want what I was given, you know, and, and I know I have a lot of friends who I'm a UU minister, Unitarian Universalist minister, and we have a lot of uh, humanists or atheists in the congregation, and some of them, yeah, some of them don't believe in God, and I have no problem with that, because for me, I don't care what you believe in, it's how you live, but um, a lot of them, is it's like, Michael, I, I don't know if there's a God, but I just can't believe in the God that most people believe in. Right yeah and uh so what does that
2: mean uh, in terms of who Jesus was
1: for me uh w- with this overlay, if you will, I think that Jesus if we look at the narrative uh well I mean my God in the Gospel of John he says, you know i'm I'm you're from this world, I'm not from this world I think that he was a hybrid. Uh, you know, if if your dad is human, I'm sorry, if your mother's human and your dad isn't, then that makes you not fully human. It certainly would explain a lot of the biblical miracles. It would also explain this narrative that this man is coming from a place of high spiritual evolution, that you can forgive your enemies, that you realize on one level that death is not the end of life, you realize on one level that there are worse things to do than die, you know, there's the worst thing to not have lived fully. And uh, I, I think if, you know, the Christmas story can be interpreted as a, a UFO story. Uh, certainly when Paul talks about walking on the road to Damascus, um, certainly the narrative in Acts when Peter and Paul are are, are, are doing their ministry and they meet Cornelius and, you know, people. These the people bow down to them. They said these these are gods because they did some healing. And he said, "Hey, you know." They said, "Don't bow down to us. Get up." Uh, so, so there. You know. Uh, you know. There's many ways to interpret it, but it, it just makes more sense to me. And I hope that more religious people or religious leaders will seriously consider it. I mean, we got the government coming out now, they're, you know, begrudgingly, and they're only gonna be but so transparent. But this, you know, when we when we start seeing occupants of these craft, it's gonna, it's a game changer. It's gonna move the needle and religion is gonna have to have an opinion. I, I think Buddhism will fare very well because it, they're more of a philosophy, but they do. Acknowledge different deities. Catholicism may not have as much explaining to do. I mean, they do believe. Yes, there's the pantheon. There's Jesus and there's God, Jesus, Mary, uh, and Saint this one, Saint that one. But what they're saying is, there are other deities. Some of the African religions who who talk about other deities, but Christianity in general is going to have some explaining to do. Right.
2: Although I think the Catholic Church kind of laid the groundwork earlier on. There wasn't it their chief uh, or the the head of their observatory, the official Vatican, yes uh, astronomer, kind of said, you know that that uh, there's nothing unChristian in the, the idea of extraterrestrials. They're all considered, you know, part of God's creation.
1: Right. And 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 I agree. However, we have Christians who can't even get along with their own terrestrial brothers and sisters
2: true true
1: right now 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 you throw in the extraterrestrial mix and that's one of the things i'm 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 interested to see because even though we have uh, uh Luis elizondo and i forget the other brother's name they were just on Sixty chris whatever his name is you know um oh from to, the, to the
2: stars academy right
1: yeah automatically they're threats you know, and I get it, if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yes, they're in airspace, and yes, they're hovering at missile silos and what have you, but, you know, we have this warlike thing. This this is a threat. They are a threat. And so that kind of attitude, you, you see where it leads. I mean, I'm not saying that, 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 every, that they're all here to sing Kumbaya, but what I am saying is, we have a we have a an opportunity here but if you if the first thing you're going to do is say well they're threatening us we need to shoot at them or have these weapons here you blow you blow the chance and it, it's just an old way of thinking
2: does it make any difference whether they're interdimensionals or extraterrestrials
1: you know i think it does make a difference only in the sense of this richard a that life is continuous and that we don't even have a clue about universes and parallel universes and lives and parallel lives and past lives. Because and and, and, and and because a lot of times and I believe it or not, I'm very careful, I try to be, because I can have an experience and it doesn't necessarily have to be E T. Uh and, and you know some beings can show up. They don't need a craft. You know what I mean? Right whether you want to call them spirits or or what have you, there's some people, they, they travel through the universe and they don't need a ship. So what it does show us is that life is continuous and there are, you know, what's the old thing in Hamlet? there, about There's more whatever in heaven and earth oh, ratio right. than in your philosophies. yeah.
2: Right, right.
1: Yeah. Uh, so what
2: ultimately then is the message of the Bible?
1: Well, I don't revere the Bible. I think the Bible is uh, like a lot of sacred texts. There's a lot of beauty and profound truths and wisdom in it. I don't say toss it out. You know, there's stories there, lessons from life that can apply to us today. But to say that it is the only way to truth or the only way to God, in quotes, um, I think that that's part of, the problem. I think it's one of many ways. Hey, man, you know, if you and I were born in Tibet, you know, we would we we'd be looking at the Buddha or maybe Lao Tzu. We, we'd be having a whole different kind of perspective because we were shaped and we're people of the West. Uh, and so I think that there's a lot of learning to be done. Um, I, I certainly preach from the Bible occasionally not in a dogmatic way, but, you know, some. I mean, you got everything in there, man. It's like a novella. You got incest, you got uh these love affairs, you got war, you got murder, you got fratricide. I mean, it's about as human as you can get. Oh, yes. Hmm. Uh, but I think if we look at these beings, because angel means messenger in Hebrew, right? I mean, Melach, I mean, angel... Uh, you know, these are messengers, and the technology that they had would appear godlike to us. If it appears, we won't say godlike now, but surely the military, the Navy, and the Air Force, they're not saying they're gods, but they are marveling at what the technology, the technology. So um, I think it can help bring religion if we're open to it, I think if we use it correctly, it can make it more relevant. I mean, a lot of people who have experiences with these beings, um, whether they're the blonde folk from the Pleiades or whether they're grays or reptilians or what have you, um, a lot of these beings have a deep spirituality. The only difference is their spirituality can handle, not all, I'm not, again, because at least in my experience, you know, just like you have people who are not as evolved, you have some extraterrestrials that are probably not as evolved. They're evolved technically, uh, but, but basically um, their spirituality and their, te- their use of technology kind of blend. Our, our technology, we don't have the maturity. I mean, we make bombs. You know what I mean? We could use the the technology for other means, but, you know, we need to make bombs and we need to compete and what have you. So our technology has outstripped our spirituality and we're seeing uh, the effects of that now. Uh,
2: How many races of uh, entities or star people have you uh, encountered?
1: I've seen an octurian, a blue person. I've seen a praying mantis. Uh, obviously, I've seen, we'll, we'll call them greys, I've seen a reptilian, and um, I think that's pretty much, and I've seen, I had a, a healing, I had a Nordic person uh, heal a blood clot that uh, I had back in 2013. Can you tell um, me about uh, that?
2: Can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can also read about it in Preston Dennett's book. Um, the Healing Power of UFOs, uh, his second volume. Yeah, um, basically this happened. It's going to sound like a country western song or a blues song. In 2013, my dad died, but he was dying, and he died. I was losing my job as a chaplain at a hospital here in Asheville, and uh, I was getting divorced.
2: <laughs> that is a country and, song, uh, yes.
1: The hits just kept on coming, <laughs> and I developed a blood clot. Did not know what a blood clot was in the sense of I never had a history of it. Uh, and then later I found out that my half-brother had a blood clot that did burst, and he survived it. But um, in my right leg, I thought I had pulled a muscle. It was – and I'm, I'm thin. And uh, my leg, my white right leg was as big as LeBron. I wish I had legs that muscular. <laughs> and But it hurt. It hurt so bad that even if I put an envelope on top of my leg, it would hurt. That's how much. And my ex-wife said to me, we're still good friends, you're not supposed to have that kind of pain for three days. You need to go see somebody. And of course, I said, no, it'll go away. I put Reiki on it. I wound up becoming an energy healer. And it would subside a little bit, but it would come back. And so I did finally call my primary care physician. And when I drove in to see him, he said to me, did you drive here alone? I said, yeah. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah. He said, can you drive? I said, yeah. He said, I need you to go down uh, to Asheville Imaging, what, what, not imaging, that's for the, the, the babies, but, but I had to get an MRI. Imaging is where I went with my ex-wife for the child. Anyway, so, and he said, Michael, you must go now. He said, because if this burst in your lungs or in your brain, I said, right, it's going to ruin my day. He said, exactly. I mean, my leg was huge. I was swollen from my right ankle up to the groin area. So I get there, and they tell me, you know, all these things. And, um, and so I wound up having to inject myself with a drug called anexaparin and uh, to to thin out the blood. And they put me on Coumadin. So on July 4th, this is the juicy part, on July 4th, 2013, uh, it rained here significantly and it canceled the fireworks. Why is that important? I can't stand it, because uh, my daughter and my ex-wife, they loved it. You get up, you get there at seven o'clock, it takes you a half hour to find a parking space. You go to this park around this lake, the mosquitoes are eating you. You're so close to people, you need a lubricant. They're sitting on their towels. It's just very unpleasant, and I did it every year because I wanted to be a good dad and a good ex-husband. This particular night, the thunderstorm canceled it. I was so happy. There were severe thunderstorms and it sounded like artillery. Uh, Richard, I had a lot of friends who fought in Vietnam and sometimes when they did talk about it, they would say, Michael, you slept in your foxhole, you went out on patrol, you had to do what you had to do. And sometimes you'd have to go to sleep while artillery was going in and while artillery was coming, you are being fired on. Right. I said, oh my God. And it sounded like artillery that night. At 10 minutes to 10, 9.50, I'm trying to go to sleep, but I'm not asleep. And, you know, it's like that feeling. I can't explain it. It's like the air changes in the room. The atmosphere changes. I don't know. But you can almost get that something's in here. I turned around. There was a being as tall as my ceiling, pale blue eyes, really pale skin, hair looked kind of blondish, but he had a cowl on, like, not a hoodie, that's what we call him now, but this long monk's robe thing, like a belt, a rope belt. Right. And he was so ripped, you could see the muscles coming through the robe, and I was flabbergasted. And he looked at me, and again, it was that terror, and I looked at him. It wasn't as the terror of, like, with the gray, because this person at least looked humanoid. Uh, well, Well, you know, looked human, even though, you know. And he held out his hand, and an apple green light came right out of his hand, and it hit me in my stomach. Because I was sitting up in the in the bed at this point, right? And I didn't feel anything, and it it was like a Star Trek. uh, uh, I guess I mean, his molecules just dissolved. This was at uh, nine fifty p.m. on July fourth, twenty thirteen. So, what do I do? First of all, I'm, I'm hyped up because every time they come, I have so much energy for days. I call my friend Preston because he wrote the first book on UFO healings, right. but it's uh, it's only 10 minutes to seven there, so he's probably out, he's in California. So I was just up for most of the night I did not think to take a picture, probably because I'm not that tech savvy, but what I did was when I went, I I called my ex and my daughter, and I went over to see them, and I told them what had happened, and they looked at my leg, and they said, they healed you. Your leg is the normal size.
2: Was it instantaneous? Was it instantaneous?
1: It had to be because uh, uh, I, I, I also I can say it because it had to be. It had to be. Hmm. It had to be because it was now. I don't remember looking it. I don't remember noticing it. But it, yeah, it, it had to be because I re- now I, I, I remember that before I saw them, my I, I noticed my leg was normal, and I remember I didn't see them till the next day.
2: Right. Right,
1: and uh, but the tricky part, Richard, was telling the doctor, <laughs> uh, because you know I had to go every week, and they had to stick the little pin in my blood, you know, my forefinger, and draw it out and see, and um, but they, my my daughter and and my my uh, uh, my ex, they were like, oh my god, and so the the doctor did not give me an easy time he kept pushing how did this happen i just saw you what a week 10 days ago your leg was still swollen what what happened and i kept saying "Well, the medicine is working that quickly michael what's going and finally i said to to him aren't you happy though are you happy for me it's (laughs) gone I'm, i'm normal it's gone and it put him back on his heels a bit. He started stuttering, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Of course we're happy, we have just never seen anything. And I just said, well, it happened. And they let it go. And they took me off the and They wanted me to stay on it indefinitely. And I stayed on it for about four or five months. Um, I, I had an incident uh, about a several months ago. I um, this was weird, I, 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 I live in an apartment. My daughter stays here from time to time. And uh, one morning she said to me, Daddy, why'd you leave me here by myself last night? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, I, went, I got up to go to the bathroom and you weren't in the house. I said, baby, I would never leave you in the middle of the night and go she said well I walked in your room it was about quarter to three and you you know your your bed was pulled back and it was kind of neatly pulled back and there was a light in the house like like there was a light in your bedroom and it was when I walked in the living room it was like a light like there was a full moon or something and I said and and you you sure I wasn't here she said yeah I thought you left me
2: hmm wow
1: yeah
2: yeah Why you?
1: I don't know. Um, It's a great question, but it's a difficult question. You know, I I had a psychic tell me once, um, interestingly enough, and I didn't mention my experiences to the psychic, but the psychic told me that the way he put it was, you know, when you come to my house, you should let me know when you're bringing company. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you brought some people in here, some people from, they do they deal with out of space stuff and he described them. I had never mentioned it to him. He said that I uh, it was a contract between lives, that I, in past lives I had been uh, friendly with these people, had contact with these people, and so I just signed up to do something this again. Um, it That makes more sense than anything. I could say, you know, he told me that I was uh, chosen to do stuff, I and and I, I say that reluctantly because I'm not I'm not on any grandiose mission, Richard, but I I, I, I do, you know, when I left the theater, uh, I wanted to serve, I wanted to serve humankind, and there are many ways to do that. You you can do it being an, an artist or what have you, uh, but um, it, it, it's it's that's what I'm doing now. And uh,
2: going all the way back to December 1989, yeah. and you visited the pyramids and the Yucatan Peninsula, I mean, did it, because it, was that coincidental or is it somehow?
1: I'll the- never know it, it, because I, I did not see. Now, in my regressions with Bud and with Gene Monday. it came up that I had seen these beings when I was a kid. I do not remember that. I remember my first encounter with them, December eight, uh, uh, December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. Now, when I was a kid, what I do remember is there were all every day. You know, I'd be in my room looking and it. There'd be like these balls of light, always around me, and 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 I could see them and. And and I thought everybody could see them, and I could always see colors around people. But I never talked about that because I thought everybody could. I would have weird things like I would have I would wake up with blood on my pillow, occasionally, and I was so unaware. I used to say, "Well, is my mouth bleeding?" You know, I get up, I brush my teeth. Why is there blood on my pillow? And then later on. You know, much later on, when I was reading some of the indicators, sometimes you have nosebleeds. I don't know. I, I, maybe I do have an implant. I don't know. I know they can track me. I know that they're t- everywhere, whether I'm in New York. If they visit me, they, they know where I am. You know, I I remember doing uh, going to an anti-racism training uh, in Boston, and uh, I had uh, uh, I had an experience there. They. They, they knew where to find me. They knew where to find me. I moved from New York to here. They know where to find me. Hmm. So I don't know why me. I, 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 and, and, you know, going back to that question, because I don't want to come off like I'm special. I'm just trying to make the, the world a better place in my own small way. I'm not on this messianic mission. But they certainly know um, where I am.
2: A New World, If You Can Take It, God, Extraterrestrials, and the Evolution of Human Consciousness. Yes. Uh, so, I guess this is, this is kind of an important manual as we prepare for disclosure, right?
1: Well, I'm working on a book now, uh, uh, Richard. Um, hopefully, it'll be out by August. I was telling Mark about it, who's... A, salt of the earth guy. Yeah. Um I, I the book I'm, I'm I'm working on is about experiencers. Uh and the ridicule and the indicators and the stuff you go through uh to stay sane and to make people say, "Hey, I'm I'm telling you what happened to me." Yeah, a new world if you can take it. It's a it can, it can be looked at that way. Uh, it's a little history lesson about some of the religions and the people in those religions who were saying that you know there are there's life teeming life in the universe, um, but it is a new world if we can take it, and that's going to be the thing because we're we're in the age of Aquarius now, and we came out of the Piscean age two thousand years of that where. You know, you needed you you were born in sin and and you needed a savior and you needed prophets and saints and avatars to to, 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 to put you on the path, right? And here we are two thousand years later, <clears throat> leaving the Piscean age, you know, the age of Jesus if you're in the West and 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 now we're in the Aquarian age where it's all about technology and um, it's it's all about communication and it's all about your own spirituality that that there's not going to be there may be teachers but no one's going to come here
2: two manual for preparing for disclosure
1: okay yes. yeah go ahead yeah 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 that's a great uh, uh, question Richard is this book? uh a how-to manual preparing for disclosure I, I you know i never thought about it like that but i guess it could be it it's 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 the treatise on how we got here again i go over some biblical stuff in there but um it's up to us now uh, we, we you know we we do, we're in the aquarian age now 2000 years ago we were in the piscean age the age you know where with jesus walk the earth and you know we needed a savior this is before Jesus obviously but you know in in the First Testament what we call the Old Testament you know you needed a a God to tell you what to do you needed saints and avatars to come down and kinda show you the way and then uh, Jesus of Nazareth comes and he's trying to get us to have a different relationship with each other and with uh, the all that is or God call it what you will and now we're in like a different age, we're in the uh, the age of Aquarius and it's about communication and it's about community and connection and it's about how we, which it was it's not that it wasn't about that in the Piscean Age, it's just that we were like kids. And in many ways we still are. But now it's about you don't. You, we're not looking for a God or a creator outside of us. We're starting to realize, you can call it God or Buddha or Muhammad or whatever, but we're starting to realize that we're all kind of connected. And that, whatever you want to call it, not only resides outside of you, but it resides in each and every one of us. And it's inside of me, and it's inside of you. And if we started treating each other better, we would be able to see that. Or well, maybe it's the other way around. Once we start seeing that, we start treating each other better. So it is a new world if we can take it. Now we're starting to see that we're not at the top of the food chain. We're not just nation states or, or you know, you live in the hood or you live in rural America. Now we're starting to see that we're, we're part of a cosmos. We're part of an ecosystem. And what I do to you comes back to me. What I do to the planet comes back to me. And, and, and you know, everybody's not seeing that, but many of us are. You're seeing people saying, I want to be free, whether it's around issues of race or whether it's around issues. of, And this is worldwide. Not just here in the United States, that there's a groundswell of people saying we need change. The old way's not working. Now you're going to have people who benefit from the old way, who get rich from the old way, uh, uh, they live an elitist lifestyle. They're going to hold on for dear life because it's change. But whether it happens now or what have you, like Victor Hugo says, nothing is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. Mm. And people want to be free. We want to go from competition to cooperation. And the old way doesn't work. If we continue with this old paradigm, whether it's climate change, which I believe A lot of it is human made or whether it's nuclear war, we're going to destroy ourselves. And a lot of the UFO literature, whether you go back to George Adamski, uh, uh, whether you believe he was legit or not, or Billy Meyer or just everyday folk, usually they are told, if they're told anything about why these people come or whatever, they're saying you're killing your planet. And not only are you killing your planet, but it affects us. When you split the atom... You not only affect your planet, you affect life that's all around you. You're not being good neighbors. It's like you got neighbors down the street who play with guns and their kids. You know, you get people, you, you, you get attention. Uh, uh, after the, the we exploded, we split the atom over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, two civilian cities, by the way. Mm. Um, UFO sightings went off the charts. People are saying, hey, who are these people down the street?
2: <laughs> yes, we are. We are the people down the street. Yeah,
1: what are they doing down there, man? <laughs> you know, and so we can we can do this. It's just having to look at, you know, the, the pandemic a drag. Yes, whether you agree with how things were handled, I don't. You know, or were we being lied to? Wh- whatever you believe but it got us to slow down and we started saying hey what's really important
2: you it's, know that's very true very
1: yeah true. yeah who's essential is Elon Musk essential of course he is he's a human being but who's picking up your garbage who's 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 waiting on you who's cleaning up your streets who's serving you food now now we, we, you know now we have a whole different definition of what's essential when was the last time you had a hug all the stuff that you took we took for granted huh
2: so true you're
1: like, Yeah, you know? so
2: true Michael th- yes, I want to thank you so much for this conversation and uh, I'll direct people to your website michaeljscarter.com michaeljscarter.com yes. and yeah and uh, they
1: can go to Amazon and buy my books and you know or maybe we can talk again one day brother I'd I love would,
2: to I'd love to
1: Okay, brother. Okay,
2: before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule ESS-60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS 60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets, too. I take a tablespoon every day, and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark, peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats-fed ESS 60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard serrett or click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60 Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. Coming up next time, Michael Horn, the authorized American media representative of Billy Meyer.
1: Meyer also specifically foretold the coming worldwide Islamic fundamentalist terrorism. He did foretell that the U.S. would have two wars with Iraq, and that the second war would be led by a president who would be the son of a former president. It's getting pretty specific right there. He also mentioned that there would be, I think, six moon landing attempts by the U.S., but that the one that we know as Apollo 11, the first attempt, would be a hoax.
2: Until then, I'm Richard Serrett.